Well, good morning, everybody. How is everybody on this wonderful, rainy Sunday morning? Hey, uh, if you brought your Bibles with you, turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 7. We're going to pick it up at verse 8 here in a few minutes. We're starting week 2 of a series we kicked off last week, Behind Family Lines. Pastor Mike explained it to you a little bit during the welcome. So for the next few weeks, to reiterate, we're going to go through things that have to do with families. Today, we're going to be dealing with singleness or the lack thereof a family, in a manner of speaking at least. Of course, we're going to deal with it a little bit differently than just singleness. Last week, Pastor Mike kicked us off, though, in 1 Kings chapter 19, dealing with Elijah's despair. The idea there being parents, if you're like Elijah and you're dealing with some despair, you're not alone. You are not the only one out there trying to lead a family God's way and doing it alone. You're not alone. To the silent masses that Elijah had no idea about. Wow, could things be different in our communities if we weren't silent, if we would speak up, if we would live boldly. If you weren't here last week, we encourage you to jump online and, and get caught up. Watch that, that first message. It really sets the series up. If you haven't downloaded our new and improved app, it's out there on the Apple Store and Google Play and Roku TV and a couple other things, and we keep the messages as well as some other things on there. But this week, again, is all about singleness. As John Chris, that Christian comedian we watched earlier, as he was kind of trying to suggest with a little weird humor that... We are in a culture that um, considers singleness a curse. There are many who are unhappy about singleness. Chris made a comedic effort towards making it funny, but the reality is, is it's, it's also sad. It's not funny for everybody, and especially on a week like this week where we're, we're celebrating Valentine's Day. And while Chris poked fun at the ladies, guys, don't think you're, uh, you're alone here. I'm going to poke fun at you here in a minute. But there's plenty of men out there who are thirsty, as they say these days. If you're not familiar with that phrase, it's, it's being used as, as slang. There's, um, the, the current generation is liking to take words that those of us, they like to tell me being I was born in the late 1900s. Um, <laughs> Those of us who are a little older than them, they like to use words that we think we know what they mean and turn, in, turn them into something else. And thirsty, if you've ever really been thirsty, like, like it, it been really exerting yourself, working really hard, and, and you're just willing to you know, open that bottle of water and let it pour down your, your face and chest, you're just that thirsty, make a fool of yourself to get some water, that, that, they're taking that idea and applying it towards relationships that you're thirsty. You'll do anything to have a relationship. There's plenty of guys who'll make a fool of themselves. In other words, as my grandmother would say, a cold shower just won't do it. There's such a drive towards this in our culture, though, that it's not just interpersonal. There's, there's even an online 
drive. There's an online setting. The, 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 our internet resources are being used to prove that point. If you didn't know, three in ten of American adults admit to using some sort of dating site or app to try to find a relationship. Now, the statistics from three to three in ten vary widely, primarily based on age. If you look at adults from the ages of 18 to 29 years old, 48%, almost half of them, admit to having used some sort of app or website in order to encourage a relationship. Of 30 to 49-year-olds, we have brought that number down a little bit. It's 38%. And then those of you who are 50 and older, it's only 16%. And look, y'all, the differences in what people experience and expect and receive out of these, these situations using, using our online resources are different um, between the genders. Guys, again, I told you I was going to pick on you. 57% of male users of these websites and apps say they don't get enough attention. Did you know that guys are needy? We are. 24% of women say they don't get enough attention. And then the, the st- statistics flip the other way. 30% of women say they get too many messages. Huh, who thunk it? Guys are thirsty. And 6% of men, only 6% of men say they get too much attention on these apps and websites. Look, there's, there's other online dating information out there. All you got to look at is the genres, if you will, of, of types of, of apps and websites you can use to get this information. Some of these, look, guys, I had no idea they even existed. I did a little bit of research for this message and was, was kind of flabbergasted. Did you know that eHarmony, for instance, is the best app to find a serious relationship Elite Singles is the best one if you are a successful business person who is college educated. And there's Silver Singles for those of you over the age of 50. Here's a couple more I'll rattle off to you. Catholic Match, Christian Mingle, Farmers Only. And I didn't even include the list Those sites and apps that are involved in married people looking for things outside of their marriage. The pressure for relationships or something better has taken every age bracket and every relationship status we know and invaded it. And look, I'll even go further and say that a lot of these are oriented towards the desire to have what relationships offer without the commitment. That that's an appealing thing. I had to talk to a teenager from this church a few years ago on a church trip because they were trying to get on an online hookup site. Like, what are you doing? Here's the big idea. Our society tends to demand better. I'll explain what better means. But our faith, our God allows us to be content in our situation. Here's what I mean by better. 
Society tends to say that the grass is greener on the other side of the fence. We've all heard that. That if we, if we go somewhere else, we'll find something more satisfying that, than where we are right now. Our faith says before you do that, before you take off headed to that greener grass, let's make sure it's not our own brokenness, our own shadow, casting darkness over our own grass. Let's shed some new light on our grass and look at it differently in light of God. And maybe it's just our own brokenness that's making our grass look dark. And be careful because that grass really may be greener over there because of somebody else's septic tank. All right, let's jump into it. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, I'm going to start at verse 8. Paul had been dealing with all these issues in the church. He kicked off this letter to the church dealing with, with relationships primarily, this, this letter of 1 Corinthians. There was division in the church about the way church was conducted. Paul was addressing all of that. There was moral conduct that they were having issues with. They were expectations of conduct. Paul was dealing with that. He started answering questions after that. The church had asked him questions. He starts answering them. And we're in the middle of Paul answering questions about marriage. Once he starts the questions on marriage, he begins to frame sex and marriage in, in the right way. Instead of friends with benefits, Paul says, let's have spouses with benefits Let's prevent us from wandering and, and doing things in places we don't belong to be doing. And then he turns towards single people. He says, Now to the unmarried and to the widows I say it is good for them to stay unmarried as I do. When Paul says the unmarried there, he's beginning to address the first of three different categories of single people. In some places in, in this letter, actually in this chapter, we'll deal with it in a moment, he references the word virgin. He uses the word virgin. I want you guys to understand that unmarried people and virgins are different. What Paul was dealing with, as in, in the very next paragraph, he starts to talk about Christians and divorce. What he was dealing with here in, in verses 8 and 9 is there are people who were divorced before they came to faith. Those are the unmarried people. So when he says unmarried people and widows, he's talking about people who are experienced. Widows is the second of those three categories I told you guys he's dealing with. These are, these are believers, and they're obviously they're single because of, of a death of a spouse. And, and there was great social pressure at that time in that context for especially ladies to get remarried. So Paul's dealing with these two groups right now of people who are, frankly, sexually experienced. And, and Paul, as he says, as I am, they, they probably experienced some frustrations. And, and he's saying, look, guys, it's better... It's good if you can stay as you are, but then he keeps going, but if they cannot control themselves, they should marry, for it's better to marry than to burn with passion. 
Paul didn't elaborate on the, the good for them part. He unpacks that here in a few moments. But that control themselves, that is a euphemism. It's a kind of a figure of speech. And Paul is saying, if you can't keep your pants on, let's go about this the right way. Let's, let's, let's have the right relationship. Let's do it the way we're, we're supposed to do it. That's where he's going. I'll go back to my grandmother again. What she would say, if a cold shower doesn't work, then get married. Go about it the right way. Paul spent the next seven verses dealing with different Christian situations and divorce. Then in verses 17 through 24, he deals with people recognizing their situations and being content in them. And then for the next several paragraphs, contentment is kind of a thing, being, being content in the situation you are, recognizing that, that this is God's perspective of who you are. If you're going to be content with who you are, you have to recognize God has a perspective about who you are, not what society is saying about who you are, not even what you say about yourself in your brokenness. What does God say about who you are? Learning to be content with that. And then Paul again starts elaborating on marriage in verse 25. He continues all the way through verse 31. He's saying marriage is not wrong. Marriage is not a sin. But he's saying, keep in mind, there's a purpose to our lives. There's a godly purpose to our lives. And we live in a world, a world that is broken. And we have to have prioritization on, on God in our lives. We have to see God's purpose. And then he picks it up at verse 32. I would like you to be free from concern. An unmarried man is concerned about the Lord's affairs, how he can please the Lord. Now, here he, he jumps off on unmarried men. He's going to deal for a few minutes with, with different categories of, of relationship status. He's going to talk about married people and unmarried people. And he says that, that this unmarried man's concern, his priorities, his focus, where, where, where this man is headed, is to please the Lord. Now look, I, I want you guys to understand this. Paul is not saying that a married man is, is not focused on pleasing God. He's not saying married people, you aren't focused on pleasing God. He's saying unmarried people. He's also not saying unmarried people are better at pleasing God. Heavens knows there's things like tender because unmarried people are seeking things that don't please God. So he's not saying that one or the other is more holy. He's, what he's saying is priorities. There, there are priorities on each side. So the, the unmarried man is concerned about the Lord's affairs, how he can please the Lord. Then he keeps going to verse 33. But a married man is concerned about the affairs of this world, how he can please his wife. And his interests are divided. So you started with the unmarried man. On the, on the other side, you have a married man. His concerns, his priorities, again, look, they're pulled differently in different directions. He, he has differing priorities, as he should. Y'all know this, this, this message is primarily about singleness, but married folks, you have priorities to one another. 
There's, there's goodness in this too for you guys. You have priorities towards to one another, but it's a simple fact that single people versus married people, there are different priorities. He goes from, from unmarried and married men to, to he switches gears to unmarried and married ladies. He says, an unmarried woman or virgin is concerned about the Lord's affairs. Her aim is to be devoted to the Lord in both body and spirit. But a married woman is, is concerned about the affairs of the world, how she can please her husband. So in, in one verse there, several sentences, he deals with both the, the unmarried lady and, and the married lady, and he throws the virgin in there. So here we have the third category of single people being addressed. Paul is basically saying it doesn't matter how you're single why you're single, and be careful, married people. Everybody has priorities. Everybody should have priorities, and he's addressing both of them. Again, the concern is the word he used. The, the best way I can say that is priorities, and their motivation is God. All of us should be motivated by God. All of our motivations, whether we are single or we are married, our, our, the way we handle those things ought to be motivated by God. And again, we don't always do them well. But Paul is simply saying, if you are married, God has prioritized marriage and you have an obligation. If you are single, there is an obligation you don't have. There's something you don't have to deal with. The married, married woman is used to, to contrast the unmarried, just like the, the married man and an unmarried man are used to contrast one another. And then he closes it at verse 35. He says this, I am saying this for your own good, not to restrict you, but that you may live in a right way in undivided devotion to the Lord. Again, earlier, Paul said it's not a sin to marry. He's doubling down on that. He's, he's saying, I'm not trying to restrict you. These instructions aren't to, to keep you from, from achieving some goal or some, some thing, some situation, some status in life that you should be looking forward to. He's not saying that. He's just saying being unmarried gives you freedom. Here's the big idea for single people. Don't be so bent, so focused on a relationship that you miss out on opportunities right now. Don't be so torn on finding a relationship that you miss out on beautiful things that are possible in your life right now, on awesome things that are part of your life right now those opportunities. What are the opportunities? Paul, he, he uses words like please the Lord. He used words like Lord's affairs, devotion to the Lord. What does that look like? That's kind of abstract. It doesn't, doesn't have a whole lot of, a lot of detail in us, but what does this look like for the single person in 2023? I'm going to give you guys some examples. The first one's this. If you find yourself in a rut, if you find yourself in a funk, and dealing with, with life, life is heavy, and you feel like you need to get away, detach for a day or a week or whatever that time period is, and go find a quiet spot on the side of a pond, it's a whole lot easier for a single person to do it 
than a married person. Now look, let me be very clear, single folks. I'm not saying you don't have obligations that you can just abandon your pets that are at home and, and not, come, not expect to come home to a house that's torn apart if you leave for a week and you know, nobody take care of your dogs. I'm not saying that by any stretch of the imagination. But when you don't have another human being whose day-to-day life, their functionings in life are reliant on you, it's a whole lot easier to pull chocks when you need to. Parents, when you have children, it's a whole lot easier to go on vacation without kids than with kids, right? It's the same thing. When you're single, it's a whole lot easier. Look, if you find somebody in need, here's another example. It is a whole lot easier to open your wallet and peel out some cash when you are single versus when someone else is reliant upon your income. I'll clarify this one too. I'm not saying single income versus multiple income households are, are, are better than another. That's not the point. That's, that's financial management. That's another message. This is sim- simply speaking to obligations. It is easier when you're single. Here's another one. If Chad were to say, maybe like this year, hey guys, we're going to Kenya. It is a whole lot easier when you're single and you don't have somebody else at home who's relying on you to make sure the dogs are fed or the cat's taken out or whatever. The kids are taking care of those sorts of things. It's a whole lot easier to say, hey Chad, put me on the list, I'll go. Now, we all have jobs, and you still have to clear those things up and, and absences from schools and, and those sorts of things, but it is a whole lot easier when you're single. Doesn't mean that also that married people can't do these things and do them really, really well. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is there are obligations in life, and they have to be balanced. And generally speaking, when you're single, it's a whole lot easier so what? What do, we, what do we do with this information? What do we, how do we walk out of here today with something that inspires us to live a little bit differently? Now, everybody in here knows that this message is about singleness. It's about being content in your relationship status. Married folks, I don't want you to be sitting here thinking, I burned an hour on a Sunday morning. It's rainy out there. I could have stayed in bed um, and not have anything to take away from this. I'm going to start with you seasoned married married folks um, because you matter in this. You matter a lot. Every single one of, well, most of us in this room probably know someone who's been married more times than we can keep up with. Be different. You can be an example Don't let the whole grass is greener on the other side of the fence detract you from what biblical, solid, awesome marriage looks like. And let your marriage be an example to those who might be married one day. All the single people in this room and around us in our circles of influences, they're not all going to be single forever. And you can be an example to them. Here's another way you can help. You can be available. Those people, they need good coaches. They need good mentors. They need good examples. You can be one of them. If there's somebody in your circle of influence who's single and thirsty, don't be afraid to talk with them about it. 
encourage them and steer them the right way, not towards things like tender. Help them find their gifts, whatever those things are, and engage them. They can grow and become closer to Christ. So when they, that time for them to have a relationship, to be in a committed relationship comes, they can, they can be better prepared and more grounded and on better solid feet because you were involved in their lives. We need you married people. Married people with children, help your children now. Prepare them now. Help them understand they're going to have urges. They're going to have feelings. Their bodies are going to go through things. Help them that with those, there comes desires for action. And that those actions outside of the, the commitment of marriage can be dangerous. Help them understand that. Dads, the father-daughter da dance was, was this past Friday. Don't do that just once a year. Don't. Engage your, your girls. Engage your daughters. Teach them how to be dated. Teach them how to be single. Teach them how to look for a relationship, how to be treated in a relationship. Have conversations with your sons, dads. Do it. Somebody's going to talk to them. And two teenagers talking, I promise you, is not going to be the conversation you want. Moms, talk to your girls. Here's another one, moms, from speaking from experience. I wish I could turn around to my mom and, and God rest her soul and tell her thank you. Boys do not see red flags in relationships. They see with one-track minds, and moms, if you see a red flag in a relationship, you need to stand in your son's way. He's not going to see the red flags, I promise you. Moms, you ha have your son's best interest at heart. He needs to be able to hear you, love him, and, and be involved in his life. Look, if you have a program in your hand or in the seat beside you right now, parents, there are things in that program right now. Family night is important because your adolescents, your kids that are over in kids' jams, your, your teenagers, they're going through things. They're going to be a parts of relationships. They're going to have temptations towards relationships, whatever it is. And family night in your home will matter. Right now, media is a resource. It's free to everybody in this church. And if you are a parent and you're looking to have a conversation with your children, there are tools that can help you. I've answered those questions for parents in this room right now. Hey, I need to have a conversation with my son or my daughter, and I don't, I don't know how to go about it. Can you help me? Yeah, I will absolutely help you. But this is something you need to lead. I don't need to come sit in your living room and talk to your children about this. You need to have that conversation. And I can give you resources that will, will absolutely help you do that. It's on Right Now Media. Parents, your single and, and growing kids, they matter. And your relationship with them matters. Now, singles. How do you be single and content? I'm going to give you three things. First thing is be intentional with your time. If you are single, be intentional with your time. 
when you have free time sitting around watching Sex in the City or some other show like it, probably isn't the best idea. It's, gonna, it, it's going to, to influence you through singles on, on, on screen and film that are discontent with being single and they're looking for something else. That's the way it's going to lead you. Stay away from pornography. There are things out there in our world that can occupy our time that will influence to go, us to go a certain direction. Be wise with your time. Paul told us in Ephesians 5 that to make the most of every opportunity, that's our time, because the days are evil and time spent poorly will not help us. Here's another one. Be intentional with your thoughts. If you've ever been on the YouTube rabbit trail, it happens to me periodically. I can YouTube how to apply a sticker to a cup. And the next thing I know, I'm watching videos on how to reverse sear a steak. Um, I don't know if that happens to anybody else in here, but my brain and our brains can work the same way. If we are discontent with our lives, if we find ourselves on that path, the path of discontentment, and, and we're unhappy with our singleness, and we start to stew in our minds over it, that's a train we don't want to be on. It's a path we don't want to be on. Get rid of it. Get off the train. Romans chapter 12, Paul told us to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Divert. Go somewhere different. Find something positive to think about instead of stewing on something you're unhappy about. Here's the third one. Be intentional with your company. If you are influenced by dissatisfied people, hanging out with dissatisfied people will likely influence you. If you're around somebody who hates being single... And all they talk about is how it's, it's a curse and it's garbage and you're single. It's going to make you feel the same way. Steer clear of them. Paul, again, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, said, Don't be misled. Bad company corrupts good morals. Surround yourself with like-minded people instead. Here's the deal, singles. Here's the deal, all of us. Our world tells us all the time that there's better out there, that we need more, there, there's more to this. Our faith tells us we can be content. Paul said, I've learned to be content in all things. We can be content in our singleness. We can grow while we're single. We can find rest and peace with God and be exactly where we are and growing exactly how God wants us to be, whether our life is to stay single or not. But you get the choice about contentment. Let's pray. Our Father, I'm grateful for your word. I'm grateful for examples in your word of people who were going through situations that, that, that they would rather have been in a different situation, but that they found contentment. They found it in you. Lord, I pray that, that we as a nation, we as a people, we as a church, recognize we're in situations, whether they be for seasons or lifetimes, that we can find peace, we can find contentment, we can find happiness, we can find joy because of you. Lord, I'm grateful for uh, those in our church who are willing to influence and, and teach others. God, help them use them. Help all of us be lights in our community. Help us be different because of you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.
Hey, Grace Community Church, we hope you have a fabulous week. Stay dry out there.